0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on The Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPEL 232, 1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. And it has been a huge day, if you pay attention to state politics. We've had a slew of news, uh, a slew of stories that have come out today. And it seems to be causing a little bit of panic in the background. So let's start the, the uh, one of the, the the big official announcement today. John Schroeder did announce that he is running and he is going to um, he, he's going to officially kick off, I think, February 9th in Mandeville. But he has announced to supporters, to donors, that he is running. So that gives you an official uh, an official uh, opponent for Jeff Landry. Jeff Landry, meanwhile, picked up another congressional endorsement. As Mike Johnson has endorsed him. Meanwhile, we got some news earlier, and I reported on it over at KPEL965.com, that Billy Nungesser is expected to be opting out of the governor's race. Now, he wasn't supposed to make any sort of announcement until tomorrow, but it leaked out today. And that is probably the most interesting twist here. Everybody expected Nungesser to run, especially since he had made such a fuss about the state party endorsing Landry back uh, in October, November. So, I mean, we're looking at a very, what was considered to be a crowded race and may still be a crowded race. You're now seeing it take a very different shape than what we were expecting a little while ago. So... This is, let's, let's break it down. Let's go piece by piece here. Cause I, I want to explain as best I can. What's going on. Schroeder confirmed to supporters that he is in fact running for governor this year. He has long been expected to, he has been making the moves to, but today he made it official in an email to supporters where he said, God willing, I will be your next governor. We will kick off the campaign officially Thursday, February 9th in Mandeville. Now, in the statement, he said, this campaign is not going to be an easy one. We expect a crowded field, and we know we will have to buck the entrenched political establishment to win. But it is a fight worth fighting for the future of Louisiana. At the same time, we got the news about Nungesser in a statement that he wrote to supporters, and that is supposed to, I guess, come out tomorrow tomorrow. It looks like it leaked out today. We got it. I know the advocate got it. It is an honor and one of the great privileges of my life to welcome the world to Louisiana as your lieutenant governor. We have enjoyed record-breaking success in tourism, saved our state parks, saved our museums, and built a hospitality industry in Louisiana that delivered almost $2 billion in annual taxes for our state that our citizens didn't have to spend. But uh, the worst pandemic in our lifetime and a series of devastating storms leaves me with unfinished business to bring tourism back to its peak performance, especially for the near 250,000 families who rely on this industry for their livelihoods. For that reason, and after much thought and prayer, I have decided to seek re-election for the Office of Lieutenant Governor. So, John Schroeder is running, leaving an opening for state treasurer this year. Billy Nungesser is not running, and he will instead run for re-election as lieutenant governor. And Mike Johnson, conservative member of the House Freedom Caucus, joins fellow Freedom Caucus member Clay Higgins by announcing today that he is endorsing Jeff Landry. He said, across our country, Jeff has been leading the fight to protect our fundamental freedoms. Louisiana desperately needs a fearless champion in the governor's office who will deliver the policy changes and structural reforms that will turn our state around. The next four years will be absolutely critical for Louisiana, and I know Jeff will fight hard every day for our families and our future. I am proud to support and stand with Jeff Landry for governor of Louisiana. So that's two congressmen now. You've got Clay Higgins, who made an announcement back in uh, mid-December. And now, Clay Johnson, officially on the record as endorsing Jeff Landry Landry has also gotten the endorsement of the state g o p so now that we're in the new year, we are officially in twenty twenty three A lot of the cogs are beginning to turn, and a lot of the wheels are in motion. We're seeing things shape up, although again, the none guesser news I think is the biggest news of the day because it is the it is an announcement we expected tomorrow, but not. Not the message we were expecting. We were expecting Nungesser to declare that he was going to run. So that, that leaves a lot of questions. Why is Nungesser not running? Is he maybe seeing the writing on the wall? Because you've got uh, Landry with all this momentum, and you've got Schroeder who kind of one-upped him by announcing today versus Nungesser wanting to announce tomorrow. Uh, does it have to do with the story about the uh, the state employee who is claiming that Nungesser had her fired because she reported on some questionable contracts out of his office. This, uh, this has been kind of bubbling under the surface for a while. State librarian Rebecca Hamilton is taking Nungesser to court for putting her on leave. She retained attorney Gregory Miller, who says Nungesser never had the authority to march Hamilton out of her office. Nungesser agrees he does not have that authority. He says Hamilton was sent home by her own human resources department after multiple employees made complaints about her workplace behavior. Hamilton says Nungesser is trying to get even because she reported his questionable contact contracts to state and federal authorities. Nungesser said he was never made aware of Hamilton's complaints. I don't know what I could have done that she could have reported me for, said Nungesser. He explained the last time he was investigated by the feds was during his campaign four years ago. He says someone told the FBI he was buying minority votes in the New Orleans area. He was unable to speak about the outcome of that investigation. That is a report here recently. So that's another question about Nungesser. A huge, huge uh, slate of news coming out about the Louisiana governor's race today. And it was just not, I mean, seriously, this was all nonstop today. The Schroeder news came out, uh, got that, uh, and, and, and sit, you know, sitting in a newsroom, sitting, in, you know, I get the Schroeder news, write that up. I get the Nungesser thing, I write that up. I see the Mike Johnson thing. It, it was first uh, reported by the USA Today Network. Papers saw it in the Advertiser, wrote that up, and it's just been nonstop ever since. And then we have another name on the Democratic side that's being talked about. Jeremy Alford with Law Politics, who I've been trying to get on the show, and he's just always been traveling whenever I've been trying to get him on, but we're going to have him on at some point in the near future. Jeremy Alford's reporting today that East Baton Rouge District Ach- uh, District Attorney Hillar Moore, Hillary Moore, is, uh, no, Hillar Moore w- will be, uh, is considering a run for governor as a Democrat, which creates a problem for Dr. Sean Wilson, the current secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. It's been rumored that John Bell Edwards and his administration has been trying to push Wilson to run for governor. So that would be two Democratic names that we now have a little more confidence in than we did, uh, you know, not too long ago, we didn't have any idea what the Democratic side would be look would be looking like. Wilson's name has started popping up the last couple of months, and now you've got uh, District Attorney Moore from East Baton Rouge Parish, who is now making you know making uh, making statements like he's considering a run. So now the Republican and the Democratic side is shifting up. Here's what we don't know: you've got two congressmen who have endorsed Jeff Lantry. What about another congressman, Gary Graves? Of the Baton Rouge area, is he going to announce? Because it's long been speculated he was kind of eyeing it. And you also have state Senator Sharon Hewitt, who likewise was pretty upset at the state party endorsing Jeff Landry before any other candidate could declare. There's been a lot of things in play, and it started speeding up in the last several hours today. But today, everything just like kicked into overdrive. So trying to make a lot of sense of this. Of course, I want to take your calls, your thoughts on it. Who do you want to see run for governor? Are you a fan of Jeff Landry? You want to see him win? Do you think there's another candidate out there that should win? You guys call and tell me. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. What we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we will be back here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542. So, again, um, it's a lot of news coming out, and and from the from the journalists from the news perspective here, it's been a very exciting several hours because what we know is that we broke the news uh, of that that Billy Nungesser is not going to run that he's going to run for lieutenant governor instead. We were one of the first ones out with the John Schroeder news. We saw the the. Uh, the Congressman Mike Johnson news. And that story came out after uh, Johnson was on the show with Moon this morning. So uh, just a lot of things in motion. Um, I'm still expecting an announcement. Uh, I think we're going to see something from Sharon Hewitt in the near future. I I, I do think that. I think we're probably going to see the Democrats maybe have one or two candidates out there. I mentioned, uh, mentioned, I think it's Hiller, Hillar, Hillar Moore uh, district attorney for, for East Baton Rouge, uh, parish. Uh, but there is, um, I mean, there, there's a lot that's going on right now. And of course, you know, we're in the year of the election. We expect all these now. It might've been the case that year that in a different year, these announcements might've come out sooner. But what happened is we had these massive midterm elections in November. And that sucked all the air out of the room. Every major player was focused on the midterms. And as a result, nobody was really paying attention to what was going on at the state level for these statewide races. But now look at what you've got. You've got an opening for state treasurer. No idea who's going to run there, but that is a hugely important uh, position. Remember. John Kennedy was state treasurer, moved on from there. You had John Schroeder, who is currently the treasurer, is trying to move on to governor. That leaves an opening for a very important part of state government. And in fact, it's an important part of creating good fiscal policy in the state. You're a major driver behind state fiscal policy if you are uh, the secretary of the treasury. The state treasurer in Louisiana, you get a major say in the fiscal policy of the state. In a state that really needs desperately good fiscal policy, you have an opening for attorney general. We see, uh, I think it's Stefanski versus uh, Liz Merle, who will be running. Uh, Liz Merle is is the 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 uh, chief deputy of Jeff Landry, so uh, kind of a successorship running there against Stefanski. We'll see how that plays out. That will be an interesting race as well. You also have uh, Billy Nungesser, who's going to stay in the lieutenant governor position. I suspect there won't be a challenge. And if there is, it won't be any major name. Uh, but that also does something interesting for the legislature. That keeps Clay Sheck in the legislature for now, because Sheck Snyder really wanted Nungesser to run because he wanted to run for lieutenant governor. In fact, there was a bill that went through the legislature this past session, I believe, that gave the lieutenant governor more discretion over the office budget and spending, which was a big move that some had considered. Clay Sheck's trying to consolidate power before running for that job, expecting Billy Nungesser to run for governor. Now, all of that is being shuffled around, and we don't know exactly how that's going to play out. So there's a lot of pieces that have suddenly shifted and we don't exactly know how it's going to play out. My suspicion is that Jeff Landry is still by far the favorite. And depending on the opposition on the Republican side, Jeff Landry could very well escape without a runoff. I mean, that, that, that is a possibility assuming the Democrats can't get their act together because we now have Republicans who are making their move. We're seeing announcements come out. John Schroeder's announcing. Billy Nungas has announced that he's not. I expect a couple more announcements this week. We haven't seen anything coming from the Democrats yet. And that should be a major concern for the Democrats because they need to get as organized as possible, as quickly as possible. The Democrats don't really have much of a statewide organization here in Louisiana. And they really need to organize as best they can, find one candidate. But if you've got two possible candidates in uh, District Attorney Moore, V. Baton Rouge, and uh, Secretary of Transportation, uh, Dr. Sean Wilson, if you have both of them vying for the spot and the possibility that maybe somebody in the Democratic establishment is going to put forward another candidate, their own person, try to continue to maintain their own control in the state. If you're splitting the Democrat vote, then you very, very easily, depending on how well Schroeder and others perform, you very easily could have Jeff Landry getting in without a runoff or a Republican on Republican runoff. And that does not benefit the Democrats at all. But here's the thing. Here's the big story. The state of Louisiana, you heard Moon mention it this morning. The state of Louisiana is looking at an alleged surplus. But consider all of the money that's come in from the last several years, federal rebuilding money for massive storms, and consider that that money is one-time money. It's not always going to be there. We're having to deal with the fact that whoever is coming into the governor's mansion is likely looking at some big cuts or some big tax raises in the future. And the fate of Louisiana is dependent on whether or not you get a conservative who doesn't mind cutting back versus a progressive who wants to increase taxation on all of us in order to keep paying the things that this one-time money has allowed us to buy. All right, let's take our bottom of the hour news break. We will be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham show. Some national issues on the way right here on news talk. 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham show here on news talk. 96.5 KPEL 232 1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, uh, checking in with the app chat real quick. Uh, one person writes, it's nice that we have one less Republican running, but I still don't trust them to not manage to lose this one. That's a really good point. Um, I, I, again, the Republicans are very good snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I would not be surprised. If they somehow manage to screw this one up, but it it seems like such a layup, but it is entirely possible. I just uh, if you're just joining us, the big news of the day, Billy Nungesser is not running for governor. John Schroeder officially is. He will kick off his campaign uh, on February 9th in Mandeville. Uh, Billy Nungesser is set to announce tomorrow. I mean, we, we got the leaked memo. We know it's going to happen. We we've we actually we wrote the news. We broke the news today. Uh, Billy Nungesser is not going to run for governor. He's going to run for reelection as lieutenant governor. And um, and uh, also you have an endorsement from Congressman Mike Johnson for Jeff Landry. So a lot of moves being made. I suspect we'll continue to see more moves throughout the week. We will stay on top of that here uh, at the news desk at uh, News Talk KPL 96.5. In the meantime, let me go to some national issues. Uh, I don't want to talk a whole lot about the speaker stuff. I've said my piece on a lot of it, but I do want to mention uh, Congressman Mike Rogers of Alabama. Um, Rogers had a very viral moment on the House floor Friday night when he appeared to lunge at and, and have some really strong words for Representative Matt Gates of Florida. And in fact, uh, he had to be held back. He had to be restrained. It was a very viral moment. Uh, from Friday night, as tensions were at their highest, but also right before the white smoke appeared above the capitol and a new uh, pu- uh, speaker was named but uh Rogers you know the, the the 20 representatives, five of whom I think were just kind of anarchists and, and were trying to stymie the, the process entirely and then about fourteen to you know 14 to sixteen of the remainder had legitimate concerns and reforms they wanted to see addressed. Uh, and got that, again, kudos to Chip Roy for managing to work out a stellar deal for conservatives and a deal that really uh, cost McCarthy a lot of power, which is good. The House is supposed to be powerful. The Speaker is not. The Speaker is just one of the representatives. They just happen to be, you know, the leader of the majority party in that case. But the Speaker should not be a dictator in the House. And we've all too often gone through that, especially in the last, I don't know, uh, Fifteen or so years. It's high time that that we've moved beyond that. But anyway, uh, Mike Rogers, outside of the conservatives who had who who gave Kevin McCarthy a headache last week, Mike Rogers probably gave McCarthy a fair share of headaches. Mike Rogers. uh, First of all, at a meeting of the conference before the votes, Rogers reportedly suggested that McCarthy opponents should lose their committee assignments. And McCarthy asked, uh, uh, Chip Roy asked McCarthy to deny that that would be the case. McCarthy refused to answer and Chip Roy said, and this is quoted at Politico, you have just sealed your fate. That is one of the things that led to this uh, insurrection Maybe not the best word to use. Oh, well, this insurrection from the conservatives in the House, and that gave gave the conservatives ammo, Um, McCarthy willing to wield this power, and Mike Rogers really instigated that. And then, of course, you have the thing with Gates. Uh, Rogers lost his temper in negotiations with the conservatives on several occasions And he announced, uh, or he made official today, his plans to step down from the Republican Steering Committee. Now, in the House, when you're working on committee assignments, which we're already seeing underway in the House, the Steering Committee is the one that takes and makes the proposals and puts them up for a vote. And Rogers is planning to leave the Steering Committee. It's not... Totally official, but he said that is his plans. His plans are not finalized, but those are the plans right now for him to step down from the steering committee. And if so, that just gives conservatives more power because Rogers being on the steering committee, that's what gave him the uh, testicular fortitude to go ahead and say, you know what, if you oppose McCarthy becoming speaker, we're not going to give you committee seats. You know, that's why he, he said that, why he thinks he had the authority to say that, I guess. Uh, but Rogers made life a lot more difficult for McCarthy than it had to be last week. You probably wouldn't have gotten to 15 votes without Rogers having said what he said and done what he'd done. But ultimately McCarthy was chosen. The speaker's chair has been pretty much neutered and the Republicans are voting on all these rules packages today, basically confirming the agreement between conservatives and leadership. Now, even if not all the rules packages get voted on, and all these things do go through, the very fact that they stymied that effort and they got some of the rules in place and some of the agreements in place is a big win for conservatives. But Mike Rogers really got in the way, and I think he's saying that this is not from pressure from his colleagues. I think this is a self-imposed exile or a very strong suggestion from McCarthy, because McCarthy, I will tell you from personal experience, I know that Kevin McCarthy is a vengeful god, and if you cause his life hell, he will cause your life hell. And I think Mike Rogers knows that, and that's why he stepped down. So that's news from the speaker's side of things. But there's another story. It's a story that got some coverage over the weekend, but not a whole lot. And I want to I want to explain what happened in uh, in Culiacan, Mexico, late last week. Mexican police arrested the son of El Chapo, Joaquin Guzman, the guy who was in charge of the Sinaloa cartel. The biggest, one of the biggest, probably the most powerful cartel in Mexico. And as a result of that arrest, the Sinaloa cartel launched an assault on Mexican police, law enforcement, acts of terrorism, firing at planes, trying to keep planes from getting off the ground, trying to get a prisoner exchange, prevent that from happening. Uh, The end result was that 30 were dead, uh, the vast majority being cartel members and police. Here's the problem. This wasn't done as a Mexican effort to clean up Mexico, to clean up the drug problem, to go after the cartels. This was done as something to appease the U.S. ahead of the American Leaders Summit that was happening today that you've heard on Fox News all day. The Mexican government does not have the power or the inclination to go after the cartels. The Mexican government is, for all intents and purposes, essentially a failed state. The cartels have taken over. Through fear, intimidation, and corruption, the government is useless to do anything against them except the bare minimum in order to try to keep the rest of North America, particularly the United States, happy. They don't put in a whole lot of effort to trying to police the border, the drug problem, anything like that. And as a result, as a result, Mexico is largely a failed state. But and I mentioned this a few weeks ago where the American where the Mexican government is a failed state embroiled in chaos from the cartels the US government is just incompetent. Dating back to George W Bush American foreign policy with our border has been Terrible. And yes, that does include the Trump years. Because the Bush administration focused entirely on the Middle East and did not really do anything to put the proper funding or security at the border. The Obama administration made the security we did have at the border really lax. And they did not take the problem seriously. They also did not take... The drug problem, very seriously, was during the Obama years that the opioid epidemic really started kicking up into gear. And one of the fundamental problems of the Obama administration is that they continued to categorize fentanyl as an opioid derivative rather than its own standalone category, meaning that a lot of the mitigation efforts, which were barely there for the opioid crisis, were barely there for fentanyl. And experts now say this was probably a mistake because fentanyl needed to be its own category. It needed to be studied and researched and dealt with on its own, not as part of the opioid epidemic. Then Trump came in, and Trump promised security at the border. It actually signed executive orders promising more security and funding and security measures at the border, but it never came through, and it was late in his administration that he did so. And it's the fentanyl problem, the drug problem, and the, Ill- and the illegal problem were not just... Failures of border security. This is not about people sneaking in, bringing stuff over the line. This is about a lack of security checking uh, personal vehicles, commercial vehicles and trucks coming over the border. There was no enforcement mechanism there. And as a result, the fentanyl market really got established between Barack Obama and Donald Trump's administrations. And now you have a Biden administration, which has even less border security than Barack Obama did, but more getaways, a, a, a completely undersupported and understaffed Borders and Customs Patrol. And as a result of that, the problem is only getting worse. So while the Mexican government is a failed government, cannot handle its problems with the cartel, the American government— which wants to work hand in hand with the Mexican government, hasn't really been doing anything either. And they can't because the people who are in charge of the current U.S. government are perfectly fine ignoring those problems, ignoring the security issue at the border Decrying Title 42 as a racist policy of leftover of Donald Trump's administration, while at the same time expanding Title 42 to turn away Haitians and Cubans and other refugees not from Mexico. One is a failed state and one is an incompetent state. And the fentanyl crisis and the immigration crisis, this security threat at the border continues to get worse because the government of both nations is just refusing to do its job. 232-1542, let's take a break. We'll be back to wrap up the show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPEL app chat. Tonight... It is, of course, the national championship, the best football game you're going to watch this week. Uh, We're not even going to talk about the NFL this past weekend. We're not going to talk about what happened yesterday. Let's focus on tonight. Uh, All right, so this is going to be, I think, a good game. Uh, TCU surprised everybody last week with uh, the way it handled. Michigan, and it's not just the fact that they handled Michigan the way they did, it's the fact that they basically beat Michigan at their own game with a, with a, uh, a ground-and-pound game. They, they, they won on foot. They won on the ground. They were able to beat Michigan in ways that nobody had really challenged Michigan this year. Now, this gives a lot of people pause and makes them think, well, you know, maybe, um, maybe TCU's going to win tonight. I'm not so sure. TCU is going to, I think, give Georgia pretty good runs for its money. TCU is no Ohio State. And Ohio State did what they needed to do, and they were down two of their best receivers and lost by a point to Georgia in a stellar game. TCU is not Ohio State. I really do think Georgia does win this one. And here's why. Michigan was not as big an upset, in my opinion, as most people think, because Michigan plays about half its season without really getting challenged. And then they play some good games in the second half of the season because they're warmed up. But because they don't play a very intense schedule that first month, month and a half, they really don't get a whole lot of good looks. They don't get a whole lot of practice playing some really good games. So by the time they play the mid tier and some upper tier games, later in the schedule, other teams have been battle tested. And they're they're going through things like injuries, uh, you know, going back to the drawing board, things like that. They're restructuring. Michigan never really had to do that. And they were completely unprepared by TCU. TCU ran probably the best scouted game of the entire NCAA season. But if TCU is hoping that a ground game will help them here, they've got another thing coming with Georgia's defense. Georgia's secondary needs a lot of help, but TCU, I'm not sure, has all ha, has enough offensive weapons at the receiver core. I mean, they have some. They have some good ones, but I'm not sure they have enough to keep up with Georgia's defense, and Georgia's defense is really going to put a lot of pressure on uh, TCU at the line, which is going to cause a lot of problems. On the flip side of that, last week, I maintain Stetson Bennett, C.J. Stroud, were two Heisman winners that were on the field. I think that the Heisman committee screwed up in their Heisman pick this year, although the Heisman curse is a real thing. You saw two quarterbacks at their absolute best last week, and Stetson Bennett's going to go on, and he's got a really good offensive core around him, and I think he's going to be able to do a whole lot of good things that TCU's defense is not going to be able to handle. That said, TCU has surprised us once. It's very difficult for me to say outright I think Georgia's going to win. I'm leaning toward Georgia winning. That is where I'm most confident right now. But it's impossible to say for certain. Now I could be saying all this, and of course, you know what happens. Georgia blows them out. TCU turns it around, flips the script, blows them out. I think it'll be close in the first half, but I think Georgia pulls away within the second half. That's that's my thought based on just watching the two games last weekend. I really think that's where we're going to be. Where we're going to look at two teams that played very good games last weekend, and they're going to play it close this time. But they're not going to walk away with it entirely. I think that Georgia is going to be able to pull away. I don't think TC is going to be able to keep it close the whole time. Is what I'm saying. All right, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham Show. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com/slash Joe Cunningham Show. Check me out on Substack. Lots of stuff over there, Joe Cunningham Show. I'm going to be back here soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5. Cape Hill.